An Unusual Christmas Gift by Tepic Harlequin Every year in the city of New Babbage, Steam Santa visits the city urchins on Christmas Eve to give out gifts. Sometimes these gifts can be a little... unusual. Charlie Simmons arrived in the city as autumn was approaching. He had left home after the harvest had yet again failed, and it was obvious the number of mouths would have to be reduced if the family would survive the coming winter. He guessed he was about nine, since he had eight younger siblings and another on the way, and his mother had always been regular that way. His older brothers had all left the farm, except for Jeb, who, as the eldest, was going to take over after father, and his older sisters had all married into other local families. It was a common way in their rural district. So, it was with sadness that he had said goodbye to them and headed off to the city to make his fortune. The city came as a surprise to the young lad, with its tall, brick-built edifices, bustling streets, and thick, almost edible air. What also came as a shock was how difficult it was to find work, even for a fit and healthy lad such as he was. It was not long before his meagre supplies ran out and he was forced to scavenge the streets for sustenance. It was while he was rummaging through some waste bins that two lads around his own age approached him. Watcher, mate, you on your uppers? The smaller of the two asked, a thin lad with a sharp look to him, though the greeting seemed friendly enough. Um, yes, I think, Charlie replied not being quite sure what the question had been. New in town he is, Tepic, so I reckons, the other lad drawled, his accent different, but as strange as the first. I reckons you're right, Billy, a new cove, and as urchins of the first class, I reckons we should see if wees can't give him an helping hand. So how about it, mate? You want to come along with us? Can't say you ain't going to go hungry some nights, but at least you ain't going to starve. Charlie looked first at one boy, then the other, before deciding it might be best to go with them. They were obviously old hands at living in this strange place, and he needed all the help he could get, even though they did seem a bit strange to his country eyes. That was how Charlie joined the new Babbage Urchins and over the next months he began to learn how to survive on the cold, dirty, and often dangerous streets of the city. It was true, they sometimes went to bed less full than they would have liked, but working together, they always found enough to keep from starving. There were also numerous hideaways scattered around where they could sleep safely, and if not that comfortable, at least they were not going to freeze to death during the night. It was a precarious life, and one that requirement was that they work together. That last was giving poor Charlie a bit of worry. He did not have the nimble fingers of some, and his forays with the pickpockets nearly got them all caught. When out with the beggars, his ruddy complexion and healthy looks 
not only meant no one could give him any arms, but the takings of the whole group dropped. Then, one dark night, when sneaking with Tepic and several others into a warehouse full of wonderful foods, he had knocked over a barrel, creating enough noise to waken the watchman and putting the kibosh on the whole scheme. It was obvious he was not the natural urchin some of the others were, but even worse was how, instead of shouting at him, they seemed to look at him with pity. Eventually, instead of going out with the others, he stayed in the hideout and looked after the smallest ones. Something due to his large family he was actually good at. Eventually, seeing the young lad's unhappiness, Tepic took him aside for a chat. Charlie, knowing he was not contributing as much as the others, thought this was the end. He was going to be asked to leave the urchins. But to his surprise, the conversation took a different tack. Look, Charlie, I know you're feeling down, but Christmas Eve is coming up and we get to see Steam Stanta, the boy began. I reckons when you chats with him, you should ask if he can help you. With that, he gave the lad a pat on the back and went back to mind the evening's stew. Charlie was mystified. He had never heard of Steam Santa until the last few weeks, and Santa of any form had been absent from his family. Still, the other urchins seemed to hold great store him, so maybe he should give the idea some thought. The great day soon arrived, and up on the top of the Piermont Landing building, everyone had gathered for the arrival of their seasonal visitor. Charlie was amazed so many people had come. Not only urchins, flower girls, boot boys and sweeps, but also adults from all classes. The event was merry, with tunes being played, mulled drinks and snacks laid on, even enough to satisfy the urchins and the anticipation built. A cry went up. There in the distance, someone had spotted the mere hint of a flying glow. Then the sleigh came into sight. The crowd grew back, leaving a large space for the steam-powered airship to land. Volunteers running forward to secure the mooring lines to huge iron rings set into the floor. Down stepped a large man dressed in red with a long flowing white beard, waving massively to the assembled throng. This had to be the famed Steam Santa himself, Charlie thought, awed by the presence of the figure. Then from behind the great man stepped a smaller person, dressed in dull greens and browns, a deep frown on his face, in which dwelt a pair of piercing eyes with a glance sharper and more penetrating than that of Charlie's friend Tepic. This had to be the dreaded Boiler Elf. Charlie felt himself take an involuntary step backwards under the gaze of this awful apparition, and he noticed he was not the only one cowed, both children and adults. 
Once Santa had taken his seat under a decorated tree, the boiler elf standing beside him, arms crossed over his chest, the children quietly lined up, waiting their turn. Each child first had to stand in front of the elf, quivering in hope and terror. And in most cases, he gave an almost imperceptible nod, allowing the supplicant to step up and speak their Christmas wish to the great man. In a very few, he would tip his head, raising an eyebrow, and without having to say a word, the youngster would gasp, recoil, then dash away through the crowd. Oddly, there seemed to be no condemnation of those unfortunates, more a sense of sadness, with an underlying concern that they might be next. Charlie could see no reason for the rejections, or why they had such an effect on the youngsters, so used to being spurned in everyday life. But he could feel his own worry that he might not be found worthy, building up with inside himself, remembering all his failures of the year, and some of the things he had had to do over the past months to survive. The urchin behind him leant forward and whispered a few words to comfort him. Don't worry, Steam Santa knows, and what we does to live ain't held against us. Charlie let out the breath he had been holding, then realised he was next. Stepping forward, he waited as the eyes of the boiler elf bored into his soul, laying bare his deeds for all to see. Though he quailed in his boots, he stood firm. And after what must have been an eternity, the elf nodded him through. It was as if a huge weight had been lifted off his shoulders, and it felt like he floated to Santa and up onto the waiting lap. He was asked his name and a few other questions to put him at ease before the big one. So, Santa asked in a voice rich with plum pudding, what do you want for Christmas, young man? Following the example set by others before him, Charlie put his head close to Santa's ear and whispered his Christmas wish. Ho, 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 laughed the jolly man. Let's see what we can do with that. Now off you go and enjoy the party. The rest of the evening was a whirl of fun and games, until the little urchins were falling asleep under the tree, and it was obvious the others were not far behind. Then the older ones gathered their tribes together, and they headed back to the sanctuaries of their hideout, to await the arrival of Christmas Day. As dawn broke, and the thin winter light made its way through the grey, grimy windows of the hideout, children around the room woke with muted squeals of delight as they discovered the gifts left them sometime during the depths of the night. Charlie lifted his head to see a cloth-wrapped parcel beside him, something he had never experienced before. He rose and fell upon what could only be Christmas gifts meant for him. 
Undoing the knotted cloth, he opened it up to reveal a penknife of his own, exactly the same as Tepic's second best one, and a pair of braces to hold up his increasingly ragged trousers, a small tin whistle, and of course, an orange, a walnut, and a sugar mouse. The cloth turned out to be a huge handkerchief, with the initials SC in the corner. Even the fact the initials were the wrong way round didn't worry the lad. Gradually, he became aware the urchins around him were falling silent, and he could almost feel them staring at him. He looked up into their horrified faces. Uh... What are you lot looking at? he asked. Is your feeling all right, Charlie? one of them asked. Cause you looks awful. Hey, I feel great. These are the first Christmas presents I've ever had. Rely me, Charlie, you do look ill. But you're not feeling crock? Tepic asked, pushing his way to the front of the others. No. I'm fine, I I think, Charlie said, sniffing loudly. Then he felt a sneeze coming on, building up within him. Ah! Ah! Achoo! The crowd instinctively drew back, then gave a collective gasp as Charlie expelled the largest curtain of the most disgusting green snot shot through with virulent yellow and streaks of red that any of the urchins had ever seen. A bubbling, festering pool in front of the boy, with long, wet, gooey strands still attached to his nose. He wiped at his nose with the back of his hand and gave a snorting sniff which rattled and gurgled horribly through his sinuses. A pin could have been heard drop as the surrounding urchins' faces moved from disgust to awe and then admiration. Core, one of them whispered. Later that afternoon, the urchins gathered for their Christmas feast, gleaned by stealth and cunning over the past month. There was a glee and triumph beyond what was usual for this event. That morning they had stood by the church steps, begging for alms. Charlie stood in their midst, looking sick, with his nose dripping every few seconds. They had collected far more than usual, with the troughs dropping coins into their outstretched hands. For that poor boy... The day had only got better when they visited the pastry stalls at the Christmas Day market. Charlie had sat to one side, and every time a patron had approached to make a purchase, he had sniffed, then sneezed. Each time, the buyers had recoiled in horror and made their departure, until, in desperation, the stall holders had called over the other urchins and paid him pastries and coin for them to take him away. It was far more successful and profitable than their normal technique of distraction and snatch, 
and far safer too. After the celebrations had finished, Charlie and Tepic settled down for a quiet chat. So, you asked Santa to find you a way to let you pull your weight, eh? Well, since you feel fine and you ain't hot nor nothing, I reckon she's got your wish, the more experienced urchin stated. Yes, said Charlie with a sniff. <sniffs> when he was back in the hideout, his sniffing had settled down somewhat. I feel better than I've done, and it's good to be useful. Tepic looked at the handkerchief the lad was holding. Your initials is CS, ain't it? And then there is SC. So I reckons that's from Santa himself. And if you're agreeable, I reckons you should be Snotty Charlie from now on. Charlie leant back, full and contented both with the day and his new name. At last, he had found his place, all with the best Christmas gift ever. The end.